Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, I'm so glad to be with you again on the uh, Victory Church Weekly Podcast. Here we go into into December. Can you believe it? The end of another year. And I love this season, Christmas time, uh, being with family, giving gifts, uh, just enjoying the season and the birth of Christ. Great time. Hey, I'm going to get right into the content today. I uh, started last week talking about uh, uh, four four levels of growth in your spiritual life. And, uh, you know, the Lord wants us to grow. And if we're going to do anything for God, now's the time to do it. Looks like we're we're going into the end game of all things uh, the way they have been, going into the time just prior to Jesus' return, which includes the rapture of the church, uh, the seven years and tribulation time, people call it, and also the the uh, second coming of Christ. All that's in view. Having said that, it's time to give Jesus everything we got, don't you think? So there are four levels or stages, whatever you want to call it, of growth in God that that we just want to be aware of. And, you know, as I pastor Victory Church and, you know, our mission statement is helping people become who God uh, created them to be. As I think about that, another way to look at is what, what we're looking for in the life of a believer and what I'm praying for for every person that is a part of Victory Church is that we don't remain as we are. We continue to grow. We continue to mature. We continue to change. Remember, when you use the term growth, if I ask, are you growing? Growth always, listen, growth always means change. If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. So growth means change. Maybe you want to think about it again. Growth means change. If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. So again, you know, when you look, uh, you know, we looked three months ago, we should be changing incrementally a little bit at a time. Am I the same now as I was three months ago? Hopefully, by God's grace, we're making small changes, right? So I think about my life in those terms. You know, I think about today. I think about last week. I think about last month. How about a year ago? How you doing? Uh what do you want to be doing a year from now, see? So I'm always trying to quantify where I am mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. You know, we're all aging, you know, if we're alive. And so what am I doing to augment that process and keep it positive and strong? So, again, growth is change. Spiritually speaking, let's cover that. Am I different now than I was a year ago? Hopefully so. If not, let's work on it, right? Uh, what I want to be spiritually a year from now. Well, the only way that happens is by is by say, setting a goal and going after it. You know, Paul said in Philippians three, forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth, stretching, straining to the things that are, are 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 ahead. So we want to be doing that. So there are four levels of of growth in God. Number one is uh is the convert level when you just come to Jesus, you're a new creature, and and then the the um, the remnants of the old life begin to unravel off of you and you gain new uh, new ways of thinking, new ways of living, new habits, 
to uh, support the new life that came within you. We compared that to Lazarus being raised from the dead and the, and the digits of his body, his fingers and his hands and his arms, his legs, his toes, all being unwound, uh, the, all, of the, all, of the, uh, uh, all of the wraps that were put on him in the embalming process as they laid his body to rest for four days. Then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth ahead to unwrap him. That's what's happening with a new convert. And that also is augmented. There are four stages of spiritual growth. Convert, you want to be a convert. You want to become an epistle. Uh, you, you want to be a disciple and then a minister. So we talked last time about being an epistle where, and, and being an epistle. So you're a convert, you know, you start changing. The epistle really is when the rubber meets the road. And that's when we start meditating the word, letting the word ruminate inside of us. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, like it says in Colossians chapter 3. And, and really imbib the word, get it inside of you so that when you think about uh, relationships, when you think about your job, when you think about your person, when you think about what you're doing, you're thinking about what does God's word say about this? And, and, and becoming a, an epistle is really when you take the word from your head, not just reading your Bible every day, but seeking to apply it, putting the word of God into practice. And you do that by meditation when you meditate. Again, it takes the word from our head to our heart. And when the word of God gets on the inside in your spirit nature, heart's the same thing as say in your spiritual nature. You know what? It gets into your belief system. It gets into it becomes ingrained in the way you think. When the word of God gets ingrained in the way you think, it changes how you live. Because it'll change your habits, right? So so we want to be an epistle, the third step. So 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 the stages of spiritual growth. Let me repetition's the key of learning. <laughs> you want to be a convert. Just come to Jesus, let that new life blossom. You want to be an epistle, that's the second stage, getting the Word of God inside of us, meditating in the Word, not just reading the Word, right? Uh, we're an epistle known and read by all men, 2 Corinthians 3 says, 1 Corinthians 3. And then, and then the third stage of spiritual growth is being a disciple. Now, we're a disciple by choice. And let me submit, there are many people who, are very, we're all at various levels of spiritual growth and maturity. There are a lot of people that are, that are stuck and are yet to go into that disciple stage. Again, Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So again, he says, make disciples. What's the root word for disciple? Discipline. So these are people who have disciplined themselves to follow Jesus. And see, discipleship, listen, involves the will. Not all Christians allow themselves to be disciples. Some believers refuse to discipline themselves by getting into the Word and by consciously submitting their thoughts and desires to the Lord. A disciple, listen, is a person who has chosen to allow their will to yield to God's Word at all times. So, see, even in that, there are levels of being a disciple. In fact, let me mention again that Jesus, uh, went, in the parable of the sower uh, sowing the Word, which is talking about, you know, hearing the Word of God and and there are four different kinds of heart soil that the seed of God's word penetrates, wayside, 
stony, thorny, and then good ground. Well, see, even in being a disciple, uh, even, even those that are good ground, Jesus said in Mark 4, remember? He said those that hear the word, word and put it into practice, he mentioned some 30, some 60, and some 100 folds. What is he saying there? Even those that are disciples, watch, there are those, here's the way I can make it as practical as I know. There are those that do the word 30% of the time. That means, what does that mean? Well, that means 70% of the time. He's kind of lanking around and not really serious, right? Huh? So, so you got those that, that get into the word 30% of the time, 30, 60% of the time. What does that mean? 40% of the time, you know, just kind of off a little bit in some ways, right? So, so you see, all of us are, in, in, are developing into being a 100% disciple, 30, 60, 100-fold. What did Jesus mean when he said that in Mark 4? Uh, as the word penetrates the human heart, <clears throat> begins to germinate, and people begin to act on God's word. Well, that means, that means 100% of the time they're doing the word. Now, you know, I want to say this um, when I think about that, I, Susan and I went to, uh, Kenneth Copeland has uh, one of his uh, meetings in Fort Worth, Texas in the summer. Well, Susan and I went in 2007, and we stayed downtown uh, Fort Worth in a nice old hotel, which was beautiful. Then we frequented the meetings all day long. I think it was Monday through Friday. <clears throat> Just wanted to get refreshed in the Word, and, um, and here's what I came away with. When I listened to Kenneth Copeland and his other friends who were speaking at that, at that conference, uh, one thing I thought about Kenneth Copeland as I listened to him day after, now here's a man right here, here's my thinking, here's a man right here. If there's anybody that's doing the word 100% of the time, it looks like that man right there is after it. And he's really close. Now, you know, he's still, he's still human. I'm sure he still has failures and misdeeds, but... I'm telling you, I was impressed. And see, what it, you know what it did? It spawned me on to, to do more and, and be a better disciple. And, and see, so, so, you know, you're a convert, you're becoming an epistle, you're getting the word into you. Uh, go the next step and be a, a disciple. A disciple is, is a person who has yielded his will to Jesus. Listen, Jesus, in every single um, gospel, sometimes twice in some of them, uh, mentions the will, and that's how important it is. You know, <clears throat> somebody said self-centeredness is the base, the base sin when Adam and Eve decided to do what God told them not to do. It made them self-centered. And see, we all have this selfish tinge about us, and becoming a disciple means that little bit by little bit we give more and more and more and more until our will is swallowed up into God's will. Jesus said this in in uh, Matthew 10, 37, 38, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Then he said in verse 38, what is he saying there? He said, you got to put me first even if other people don't like what you're doing, even close family members. Then verse 38, he said, he who does not take his cross and follow after me he's not worthy of me and then he said this he who finds his life will lose it that means the how do you translate that well he who does what he wants to do with his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find what does he say the person who yields what he wants to do to to the to what god wants him to do which means he changes things sometimes 
You know what? He'll find life. So again, Jesus mentioned the metaphor of a cross. A cross was a despised thing in the first century. It was a barbaric, barbaric way to die. And nobody wanted to think about a cross because it was horrible. Jesus died on a cross. It was a method of, of um, Roman capital punishment, which was barbaric at best and horrible. And, uh, but he said, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to go lay yourself on a cross. Man, two things happen on Jesus' cross. Number one, a cross is a place where your flesh dies. And what does that mean? That means the cross is a place where the things that you want to do, your flesh wants to do, your human person maybe has a habit and is accustomed to go in a certain direction mentally, emotionally, relationally, responsively, all right, with your flesh. And, and, but God says, no, God's word says, no, do it different. And a, a cross is a place where my flesh and God's will meets and God's will wins. Or you could say God's word wins, right? So, so, so I've got to take up my cross. I've got to be willing to crucify my desires, what I want to do, when they cross what God says he wants me to do. In fact, God said, love your enemies. My, my flesh says, get even with my enemies. So what am I going to do? I'm going to lay that down and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going I'm to choose to love them and pray for them because that's what Jesus said, do, right? So, so, you know, my flesh may want to say something behind someone's back. That's called gossip. But see, God's word says, don't do that. In fact, bless with your words. Don't, don't, don't hinder people's lives with your words. Don't let... Don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth, Ephesians 4. So what do I do when I lay myself on the cross? That means when I, what I want to do crosses with what God's word says for me to do. I choose God's word. Second thing that happens on a, on a cross is it's a place where my flesh dies. And then it's also a place, like, just like Jesus, he said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but what you will. A cross is a place where my will and God's will clash and God's will wins. See? And, and, and we've got to make that choice. So, you know, for instance, for me, I, I wanted to, as a young boy in my teen, uh, uh, teens after high school and college, I wanted to be a businessman. I wanted to get a, uh, have an education and then just make money. And then God called me to preach. You know what I had to do? I had to lay, I had to lay what I wanted to do on the altar of sacrifice, so to speak. And just like Abraham, remember God called Abraham. He said, take your, and, and, and he and, and Sarah and, in their elderly years, he was 100, Sarah's 90, they had a baby and they laughed about it. Isaac means laughter, had a baby named Isaac. <laughs> and then, then he became a teenager and God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son and offer him in sacrifice to me. Now, what do you think Abraham was thinking trekking up that mountain with his teenage son with sticks on his back to make a fire uh, and, 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 a, and a, a, a sword, a knife, where he's going to slay his son and offer him in sacrifice to the Lord? What do you think he's thinking? He's thinking, God, how could you even require this of me? God will sometimes ask you for the most precious part of you to give to him. And perhaps Isaac was the most precious part of that time of, of Abraham's life because he believed for 25 years for that baby to be born in God's direction. And, and God said, give him up. Sometimes God will ask you to give up things for him. Not always, but sometimes he will. And you know what? For me, that was, uh, you know, uh, having a career, making money, 
And God said, I want, you to, I want you to be my person. I want you to preach for me. I want you to be pastor. So I changed my vocation. I went to Bible school, and all the years have passed. been 47 years now I made the right choice. And, and see, that's on a, a, a larger scale. But in, in small things of life, God wants us to take up our cross. Jesus wants us to crucify our flesh. And then when our will and God's will meets and he wants us to do something, he just simply wants us to obey him. That is being a disciple. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He says it so many times. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That means when you do what you want to do uh, to the disregard of what God says, you lose. You lose sometimes big. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Wow, that's, uh, that's really strong. And then Jesus said, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. That's Matthew 16, 27. Mark 8, 34 is really insightful. Uh, J.B. Phillips' translation says this. He called his disciples, Jesus did, and the people around him and said to them, If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Wow. Give up all right to himself. You know what that means? That means you, lose, you, you choose to lose control to God. You choose to get off the throne of your life. I do. And, and you got to make a choice to say, God, if I'm doing something and you want to alter it, have your way. See, is that easy to do? No, no, not necessarily. Sometimes we have strong ambitions, strong desires, and sometimes God says, I want you to do this, this way, not this way. He doesn't do it with everything in life, but sometimes he comes and says that. We've got to be willing to comply, and that's being a disciple of Jesus. Listen to Luke 14, 25 through 33. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everything else, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life, otherwise. You can't be my disciple. If you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Wow. And then he went further and made it real practical. Practical. Don't begin until you count the cost. For, he, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to, to see if there's enough money to finish? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Now, they would say, there's a person who started that building uh, and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy's still far away. So he said, so you, by comparison, so you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Now, that, you know what? That's a really tall statement. So we live in America, and, and we think, you know, we almost become entitled, don't we? I deserve this. I deserve that. I deserve, you know what? I deserve hell. Jesus delivered me and gave me he <clears throat> heaven on earth. You know what? Only way I really get that, I've got to be willing to give myself away. Question, are you willing to give yourself away, your strongest desires, your strongest yearnings, if God comes after them, you're willing to give it up? That's what he's asking for if we're a disciple. 
Uh, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, Jesus said in John 12, 24, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor and save anyone who serves me. So here's a, listen to this, and, and uh, I wasn't able to share this. I, I talked about this a couple of Sundays ago, but I was not able to get to this, uh, to this quote here. Here's a quote. I, I read after a guy named William Barclay. He was a wonderful English, uh, English teacher, English, Englishman who was a teacher of the word. I should say it this way. He didn't study. He didn't teach English. He was an Englishman who taught the word. And he's got um, lots of books on all of the New Testament and he, this is from the Gospel of John, Volume 2, by William Barclay. He said this, listen, this is so good. He said there was a famous evangelist called Christ, Christmas Evans who uh, was always on the move preaching for Christ. His friends begged him uh, to take things easier, but his answer was always, it's better to burn out than to rust out. When Joan of Arc knew that her enemies were strong and her time was short, she prayed to God. I shall only last a year. Use me as you can. Again and again, Jesus laid down this law. And I just read the scriptures where he said, take up your cross, lay down your life, give up your best. We have only to think of what this would do. Uh, this world would have lost if there had not been men and women prepared to forget their personal safety, security, selfish gain, and selfish advancement. The world owes everything, listen, to people who recklessly spent their strength and gave themselves to God and to others. No doubt we will exist longer if we take things easily, if we avoid all strain, if we sit still at the fire and uh, sit at the fire and life, if we look after ourselves as hypochondriacs look after their health. No doubt we will exist longer but we will never live. Wow, what a quote. So, so, you know, question as I conclude. What are you willing to change? Let me rephrase it this way. When you're willing to change, your plans in a moment's notice, and when we are willing to put what we want to do aside and choose to obey what we see from God's word, we've become a disciple. God's coming after our will. Am I willing to give my will to him? Am I willing to take up my personal cross where my flesh dies, where my will is submitted to him and follow him? So God wants us to be a convert. He wants us to be an epistle. He wants us to get the word in us and let it dwell in us richly. But then the third phase of spiritual growth is Jesus wants me and you to not just be a convert in an epistle, but to become a disciple. And that's where our will is completely given over to his. Wow. So, Father, I, you know, it's a tall order here we're talking about today. And I'm asking you to minister life to us. Lord, let it be. Let it be that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And for that, Lord, I, I just give thanks in Jesus' name. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure 
uh, that you subscribe or leave a review or whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.